Hello and welcome to Guy Cocker's Video Games Podcast. I'm your host Guy Cocker. This is episode 41 after another brief hiatus on the 26th of February 2015. This week I'm joined by Richard Ogden from Red Phantom Games, whose new game Minutes has just been released on PlayStation 4 and Vita. Richard is based in Leamington Spa. He's previously worked at Codemasters and Big Big, and he is was initially, I believe, a, vis- a vehicle physics programmer uh, and later a game designer. Richard, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, so just tell us, before we get into the show and, and talk about this week's news, uh, tell us a little bit about Minutes. It's just released on the PlayStation 4 and, and Vita. And, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's been out in Europe for about three months now, but it's just released in the States. So I kind of staggered the releases because I'm a one-man indie i couldn't quite do everything right the one go it's kind of a it's a bullet hell game it's very much just a pure video game there's no cutscenes. there's no story there's no real context it's just about getting in there and playing and moving and testing your sort of fundamental video gaming skills mm-hmm. if you like Okay, so it's been it's been out for a, for a few months. It's on PlayStation Four. You buy it on PlayStation Four or Vita, and it's cross yeah, and it's cross, cross platform. Yeah. Okay, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, minutes uh, later on in the show. Uh, remember, you can drop me an email, drop me your questions and thoughts. It's podcast at guycocker uh, Let me know what you think of the show and what you want to see on upcoming episodes. Uh, and please, if you listen to the show, leave it a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, okay, time for the news section. I've picked out this week's big and interesting news stories. I'm going to ask Richard about what he thinks. Uh, thanks, as always, to MCV Magazine for all these stories. Uh, so, uh, next, um, first, first news story is about next week. Uh, GDC, the Game Developers Conference, is, is happening in uh, in San Francisco. I'm going to be there. One of the big stories that's already coming out is Valve is going to reveal Steam VR hardware, so virtual reality hardware, and the final Steam controller design at the Games Developers Conference. Uh, um, it's a big new player in, in that market. Obviously, you've got Oculus and Samsung and Sony, uh, but Valve is, has confirmed that it will use the Game Developers Conference to reveal what is described as a previously unannounced Steam VR hardware system. Although nothing is known of the new hardware as of yet, Valve's dominance in the PC game sector means it will likely be looking to take on the likes of Oculus Rift, uh, Project Morpheus from Sony, and Windows HoloLens, uh, as opposed to smaller players such as Samsung's Gear VR, Razer's OS VR, and the Arcos VR glasses. Uh, and Richard, are you are you a fan of VR? You've you've used it, I assume, at this point. I think it's very interesting. I've had a a few goes on some Sony demos on the Morpheus. Um, I do have an Oculus dev kit at mm-hmm. home. I've yet to do anything significant with it, but I'm hoping now that minutes is out of the way, even though I'm busy with a few other things, that I'll find some time to experiment. And I've got one idea that I'm quite keen on taking forward. So, yeah, Steam getting into the game, uh, Valve getting into the game is, yeah more excitement in that area for sure so when you bought your oculus dev kit it was really just for kind of personal interest rather than uh, professional i think professional to some extent but i think you know perhaps some developers have jumped on it a little bit early you know we've not seen any sign of the com- what the commercial units are going to be when they're going to be released so to take that punt perhaps a little risky for me but yeah certainly to get in and experiment see what I can do for the future is kind of where I'm at. Do you think, obviously, the, a lot of these companies have got, have got backing of, of huge companies? I mean, obviously, Oculus was uh, was bought by Facebook, uh, I think, about, about a year ago now. Um, you've got Samsung, the backing of a huge you know, multinational corporation. Do you think it needs someone like Valve to kind of, you know, 
validify VR in, in, the, in the mind of gamers and sort of make it make it a big thing? Um, I don't know. I think Sony being in the game certainly helps with that. Um, Valve getting in on it just helps further, I guess. I mean, if you're into the VR thing, then you're going to be excited about it anyway. Right. Um, if you've tried anything, there are experiences that work, but there are definitely uh, experiences that... Sorry, did I say... There are, there are experiences that don't work, yeah. but there are definitely experiences that do, and I think, you know, the, the experiences when you really feel like you're in the place that's being presented to you, those are the, that's the route to go down, I think. And obviously that has applications beyond games as well. Well, you can correct me if, I, if I'm wrong here, but I don't think minutes would really translate, would it, to No, to that would be quite... It'd be quite trippy, trippy yeah. experience, I think. Yeah. So, so, so the thing you're working on will be a completely different kind of... Well, I think for me, Minutes was just a starting point, and I'd, certainly for future games, I'd want to do something that doesn't get rid of stories and, sure. and whatnot, a bit more content to a game, and you know, maybe that'll be a VR experience. I guess the next game won't be, but who knows after that. Uh, we'll move on, just connected slightly to this story, uh, is that... Um, Steam Valve's uh, PC store platform uh, on, on on PC has uh, 125 million active users now, so it surpassed the 125 million mark and has more than 4,500 games. Um, the figures a dramatic rise from the 100 million users announced in September 2014, so that's less than six months ago. Uh, meaning the digital store is picking up five million users each month. Uh, figures uh, figures from the Steam stats page also show the, new, the number hit a new peak record on Sunday, so last Sunday, reaching 8.935 million uh, c- concurrent users. So, what do you what do you think about Steam? I mean, that's, it's, that's big numbers. So, you, you kind of got to be on there, right? In terms of if you're on the PC, at least you're on the PlayStation. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I did things backwards. I mean, you see a lot of the the indies that have been on PC have been brought over to the PlayStation platforms i started with playstation because it's kind of my go-to console Mm. as a developer and a gamer really so i thought well i'll do pc after but i certainly want to tap that market if i can so yeah at some point i'll be attempting to get onto steam when 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 you see a game like minutes you know it's coming on playstation 4 and being crossed by you seem like sony's supporting you guys but is it uh is it is it a case of you just chose the PlayStation because you kind of had experience with that platform? Yeah, like pretty platform? much. I mean, it's literally just a case of porting my engine to the PC, mm. which is mostly done. I just need to get it finished off and then, you know, get it onto get it onto the Steam platform, if they'll green light it. I mean, you've got to, got to go yeah. through the green light process. So alternatively, I could find a publisher. So not quite sure what I'm doing there yet, but I'll have to figure that out. But you're you're already soon, soon. As you mentioned, you're a, you're one man band. You're kind yeah. of having to do everything by yourself. So how do you maybe for other indie developers or people that are looking into publishing their or getting their games out there? What do you recommend these days? Working with a publisher or going through the green light system? Um, I don't have any experience with the green light um, system, so I don't know. I've heard that. Potentially, it's better to go with a publisher who can already get you on it. Otherwise, you're going to struggle. Potentially, at least there's going to be a time period when you've got to accumulate the minimum number of votes to actually get green lit. Um, I understand that's multiple thousands of votes. Yeah. So, 
I think if you know if you've got the profile, if you can raise awareness enough, then sure. But perhaps for me, I don't know. Um, essentially, go with the publisher makes things a bit easier. Sure, they can handle some of the some of the things that you have to do to to get yeah. that game out there and market it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you know, I've I've done the self publishing thing on PlayStation. The numbers so far in terms of sales are kind of on the low end of what I expected. Right. Um, I'm hoping it will tick over over time, just, right. you know, and I'll take advantage of the sales. Sure. Much like is happening on Steam. Um, so I don't think I've quite penetrated with the game into the, you know, the mass gaming consciousness. Sure, like, sure, sure. Which is a big consciousness of these days. 125 so, million people as we well, hear on, on Steam at least. But then if there's that many users on Steam, then maybe it's worth a go. I, it's something I need to think about a bit more, for sure. And, so, and to go back to the point of, of Sony kind of support, do they, I think maybe the, the view from my side on the press or a lot of journalists is that sort of Sony is this... Uh, great white hope for a lot of indie devs, and they support them if they got a if they got a good game, and sort of gives them gives them money, and then you know helps market the game. Is that is that true from from your experience? I pretty much did everything myself. So you have you've got their strategic content department, mm-hmm. which deal with a lot of the indies. I mean, I pretty much self funded and every did everything on the business side. So I literally just went and published it myself. Right, right. I didn't really look for any help for them from them as such i'm i mean maybe that's a, a for the next game mm. maybe that would be a better option because so, certainly i think you get a bit more of a profile if you know if you look at your i don't know your velocities and your uh, ollie ollies for yeah, example sure, then sure. we know about those games and those have come through sony there, what, uh, what used I to be the pub supported. fund, wasn't it? And certainly on yeah, the Ollie ones, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure what the exact mechanics are of it, so that's perhaps an option for me to explore. I was reading, uh, I was reading from um, the developers of Numa, which is a, uh, an indie game. Actually, I think also developed up in your neck of the woods in, in Leamington Spa. Um, so it's hitting Xbox One this weekend, and they they wrote something for Games Industry up here saying there's so many different costs that you don't expect to incur. Say if you're putting a trailer out there and you need to get sort of a, an ESRB logo on it, or just just to get approval on the ESRB. I think it's or was it Peggy? It was one It'll one of the old Peggy. It's Peggy. Yeah, the ESRB for the small games doesn't cost. Well, for the digital games doesn't right. cost anything. Peggy. It will cost you money. Yeah, so. it's just little things like that that you may not think about. Yeah, but I, I think for me, I was aware of this stuff right. coming from the having done lots of PlayStation development, so everything to do with the ratings and you know going through the submission procedures, which I think some indies do struggle with, was fairly straightforward for me. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. Well, let's uh, move on to the next uh, news story, uh, which is that uh, Guitar Hero could be making a return this year, according to a report. A new entry in Activision's Guitar Hero series is in development and will be released this year. Uh, That's according to games website Kotaku. Uh, It will be announced at E3 in June, will assume a more realistic visual approach than previous entries in the series, and will, uh, most importantly, again, require the use of guitar peripherals, which is probably a given. Uh, It's not known who's developing the title because uh, former developers Red Octane and Neversoft have both effectively been closed, although Neversoft was kind of rolled in to Infinity Ward, as far as I understood it, um, are you a fan of this franchise, Richie? You kind of, do you think there's enough time um, has passed since the last time when yeah, it oversaturated? Yeah, potentially. The market? I mean, I remember banging away on the buttons. I mean, I'm a guitarist myself, okay. so I think for me, it was um, 
what was the other game? Rock what was Band. the game with the real guitar? Oh, uh, Rocksmith. D- Rocksmith. Yeah, yeah, that was the one that I played a lot. Again, that's really Hero. good. It's on my to do list to get it's, to get one of those and, and start learning. Some of the fast bits are just ridiculous. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so that was more my guitar game, but yeah, certainly I think as a party game, uh, Guitar Hero is really good. Is it is enough time passed though, crucially? Because it kind of felt like it was drilled into the ground. This uh, this franchise, it was just kind of I, so I, many I different iterations. I don't know. I really don't know. I guess time will tell. Uh, I'm. I, I was always a, a bit more of a fan of a rock band, so I'd be interested to see if rock band makes a return as well. I mean, you know, they they ended up becoming quite similar titles in terms of all the peripherals that that they each had, but. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, I guess. This is a uh, rumour at this point in time, and there could be an announcement in June. Uh, let's move on to, uh, to uh, something about a driving game. This is um, Sony insisting it hasn't ditched Drive Club, the PlayStation Plus edition. So uh, Drive Club came out at the end of last year, uh, received some sort of, sort of lukewarm reviews. I certainly wasn't a massive fan of it. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's not been scrapped. This is the free version, or the, the sort of the cut-down version that allows you to, to purchase more content from within it. This is the PlayStation Plus edition. Uh, this is according to Sony... Although currently we do not have an update regarding the timing for the launch of the PlayStation Plus edition, we are continually working on improving uh, the server capacity to enable us to launch the PlayStation Plus edition as quickly as possible, uh, a statement sent to GameSpot claimed. Um, The future of the release was thrown into doubt when Sony Computer Entertainment Europe President and CEO Jim Ryan refused to guarantee the release uh, of the PlayStation Plus edition. Now, your background—you've you've, you've developed some racing games. You've been in the racing game done a, genre. A done few, a few, yeah. A few you, for Sony as well. A few for Sony. So, what's your? Did you play Drive Club first of all? I did play it back at Gamescom. I okay. think before it was launched, and I quite enjoyed it actually. Right. So okay. I think for me, I'd left the driving game genre alone sure. for quite a while, and I've. I think the last one that I really enjoyed was Split Second. Yeah. Uh, and that's a while ago. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of waiting for that big new driving game, and certainly when it comes on Plus, because I am a you member. You are a member. Plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll definitely yeah. be into that. And if there's if I enjoy it, then I'll be picking up some extra content, or maybe I'll buy the full game <laughs> for sure. So yeah, Split Second was was um, good for you, sort of six years ago. I would say I was I was always in the blur. So I, I didn't notice the time. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved Blur at that point in time, so yeah. I kind of played a yeah. bit more of Blur than Split Second. But um, certainly, Split Second had its fans. Is there anything else in the driving genre that sort of piqued your interest recently? I loved last year Forza Forza Horizon Two. Not recently, no. I think for me that genre that became all, became all a bit samey. Um, so tell so tell us about your experience. So you, so you worked at, at Codemasters. You started off in Codemasters f- in a long time ago. Yeah, right. physics on the first Colin McRae right. um, Tocker games sure, sure. on the PlayStation One. Yeah. Um, later on, myself and some friends founded Big Big, right. and we made the Pursuit Force series. Yeah. And we did the PSP version of Motorstorm, right? Which was Motorstorm Arctic Edge, and that's probably the game that I'm most proud of right both as a project because i think it went well not sure the whole team would agree right okay or maybe perhaps a hard taskmaster <laughs> but yeah as a game and a project very very happy with how that turned out you know bringing that mode storm which was a ps3 experience at the time onto the psp without really losing anything sure in terms of gameplay i mean it was it was visually impressive as well i mean that yeah. was most storm was was one of the sort of 
it was one of the big visually impressive games on the original on the PlayStation Three, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was the launch, launch one title. of the launch titles. Yeah. So, so having worked in that genre for a while, that that and that that's what turns you off playing. It I a, think that probably had an impact yeah. on me not wanting to play those those games for right. sure. But now I've not worked in that genre for a while. Sure, I'm waiting for that new driving title to impress me there seems to be a there seems to be a few last year that were really genuinely trying to do new things especially the um, they always get around the crew not the club the club was a, was a different game the crew yeah. from Ubisoft that big kind of open world explore all of America but it didn't kind of pay off for them I don't no think. and I don't it, you know as a game creator I don't know what the secret ingredient is for the what is the new great driving game right like I say, I'm leaving that genre right. alone. And I think you need a big team to make that kind of game. Sure, well. sure. And, and, and it's set like every other genre, they end up churning out the sort of the same franchise. So there's going to be a Gran Turismo, I'm sure, on on, on this yeah. And I that I left that behind as well. I think you know, sure. at probably the PlayStation Two version. What about? I have to ask about um, Carl McRae though, because I, I was a huge fan, still am a huge fan of that yeah. of that franchise. It was incredibly. Influential when it came about, it was you know to my mind the first really fun rally game that I played. Yeah, I think you know at the time, vaguely remembering the idea was just let's do this revolutionary thing where you just have one car on mm. the track and it's just the car versus the clock, and it just happened to you know resonate and do really well. And it, I mean, I worked on the physics for that, and I didn't work on the game so much. I did a bit more of the game design stuff on the second one. I was more in the Tocker camp, right? Okay, as a actually working on the game at the time. Yeah, which was another another very influential game. All a lot more, a lot more cars. Yeah, and you know contract. those games have become what Dirt and Grid are now, many many years later. Yeah, yeah. and what Co Masters is as a publisher or a developer and publisher. Yeah, I mean that's their that's their core core games. Yeah. So you're waiting for the next big thing in? Uh, and I, I think so. Hopefully, it's not going to be too long. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's move on to the next new story. A bit of a sort of lighter story. This is um, obviously a PR stunt, but it's uh, it's quite an interesting one. It's um, the most expensive copy of Dying Light, and I think the most expensive um, uh, collector's edition ever. It costs two hundred fifty thousand uh, pounds, so a quarter of a million pounds. Uh, one off. It's a truly limited edition, uh, sold through the the retailer game, um, and it uh, basically includes a house or a log cabin that's guaranteed zombie proof for uh, for ten years. It includes a log log cabin. Uh, it's apocalypse proofed. It's covered in barbed wire. It actually houses an Xbox One console, a copy of the game, and a, and a TV. There's a log fire in there. There are two bedrooms. There's a mini gym. Um, uh, you, you, once you drop the cash on this, you need to make sure you've got an area to be able to actually set this up. It needs to be on obviously solid ground to be guaranteed okay. zombie proof. Um, but I think it's—I I remember actually—I think it was—I might get this wrong here, but I think it was maybe Grid Game that did a very expensive limited edition with a car that was in the region of one hundred thousand pounds. But this is this a quarter of a million pounds is gonna is gonna uh, pretty much break the bank for most people. But uh, you know, if uh, if your game does well, do you think you might invest in this uh, in this? I'm not, sure pounds. I'm not sure a log cabins for me, but it's it's an interesting kind of business model because it is very similar to free to play and the whales who spend an immense amount of money on a game. And right. I think it's just tapping that same kind of market, just the big fan. The hu- Uber the fan. Hu- the, hu- the huge absolutely huge fan yeah who's also presumably quite rich and quite rich yeah. <laughs> i would think so this is out there i don't believe it's been bought yet so it is still available um uh, the game is releasing this friday um, we'll talk a little bit about it later because i've been i've been playing it um 
Uh, one more story on on um, uh, on Batman Arkham Knight, which is the first in the series to get an M rating in the US at least, which is the the kind of highest rating that that you can get with um, how do I describe this? So like Grand Theft Auto, all of the that those are M rated games. All of the retailers will supply it, but the next one up from that is adults only, and I don't think the major retailers will supply that game if it's uh, if it's any kind of if it receives a higher rating. So Warner's uh, Batman Arkham Knight, developed right here in London, um, is the most violent in the series to date. IGN reports that the fourth installment will be given an M rating, whereas previous games have received teen rating. Uh, Sefton Hill is a very talented um, uh, game developer from uh, from Rocksteady. Said, from our point of view, uh, we never wrote it or made it with a rating in mind. Uh, we never did that in the previous two games. We just felt that this is the story story that we really wanted to tell. You ever come across this in any of the games that you worked on in terms of working with ratings and how they affect Generally, the commercial? Not really worked on games that have. Well, I guess Pursuit Force had guns sure. and whatnot. And I think that ended up at 12 or something, though. So, I mean, for me personally, I wouldn't go down the route of trying to make a violent game right. or even something that could potentially be really violent because I think I've, I've got a bit older and I'm less interested in the shock factor. Right, right, right. Say. No, I, I appreciate that, yeah. Um, well, it's interesting, though, because you know, Batman as a character, he doesn't kill anyone. So presumably this is it's going to be a darker story, according to Rocksteady, but it's... Presumably, this violence comes from the from the antagonist, from the yeah, uh, I guess so, from yeah. the penguin and, and the and the sort of criminals that are in in the game. Um, but well, yeah, I'm, I'm old enough to play it. So yeah, so you're good. Off. You're all good. I'll probably pick that up having <laughs> having played the last few in the series. Uh, next news story I want to talk about is uh, Team Ninja warning of Dead or Alive Five last round bugs as launch stumbles. So I um I reviewed this game uh, this week for uh, for Sky News. Are you, are you a big fan of Dead or Alive as a franchise? I'm not a big fan of dry, uh, fighting fighting games. Um, at all to be honest. I will. I'll be totally honest with you. It's a, sort of a guilty pleasure to Dead, to Dead or Alive. I've enjoyed them since the original games. They're not obviously not as technical as Street Fighter and, and Tekken, um, but. The, the the thing about it is, as you get older, as you as you were saying, the the weird sort of bouncing, jiggling breast physics that get obviously more and more realistic in, or not not realistic, but more detailed in uh, in in the game as it progresses, just become more weirder and weirder. And there's the there's a whole there's a you can set your level of um, jiggliness, really? and it's all very very odd and a little bit. Makes you feel a little bit dirty to playing it. Yeah. The, the fighting game is actually really good though, but this has been a nightmare launch for uh, for Tecmo Koei. Basically, the Xbox One version doesn't work with fight sticks. Um, there are various um, different characters that are supposed to be available on the con- on each of the consoles for so PlayStation uh, and Xbox that are not available. The Core Fighters uh, product, which is basically the the essentially the free to play version of the game, has uh, not been has been disappearing and reappearing from various stores um, and it's just been a, a complete nightmare from from um, from a launch perspective so uh, um, now buyers are being warned of a save data corrupting bug so if you're playing tutorial levels 40.8 and 40.9 uh, they will freeze the game and worse still corrupt the save data um, and this is across all platforms so a fix is in a fix is in the work works apparently but as I said in my review if you're a fan of this game maybe just hold off buying it for now because it is pretty broken um, so you've no indication no inclination even of, of buying this game obviously I, I think it's just my reactions are too slow for right. fighting games <laughs> even now and I wasn't that good at them in the past it, it's interesting though because I think we see this quite a lot these these problems in games at launch and I, I kind of understand it And but it seems to afflict 
the smallest to the largest teams, sure, sure. Um, everyone just pushes it to the wire in terms of getting all the features in. Sure. It's, is it? I think as a, as an industry, there needs to be some slightly better practice coming in in terms of project management and stuff. Sure, so, sure. And is it? Does it fall? Do you think as well on? It was always my assumption that it was down to the console manufacturers to kind of have that, you know, that Nintendo seal of quality that it's up to a certain standard to check these things before um, they're released. I was, I, I was it thought probably was depends on the platform. Mm. Um, I think these things are probably more driven by the commercial pressure sure. of hitting the launch date, really. But you've got it when you design a game and scope a game out, you've got to allow yourself a little bit of leeway where you can scope back. And I think in these cases, people are just going. No, we'll put everything in. Yeah. And if there's tutorial, 40 point... What was 40. it? 40.8. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's obviously you've well got into 40 the tutorial. plus tutorials <laughs> for a start. Sure. That's got to tell you something. Sure, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> is, there, is there, I think, from consumers' um, point of view, and I've seen it, you know, on, online when, when games are released and they're obviously broken in this way, there's this assumption from consumers that, you know, developers have this mentality of, we'll, we'll get it out there and patch it later. Is that... Do you think that's... Yeah, that is the men- I, that is the I think so. And I think... To some extent, we see this in the mobile space because of games becoming more of a service. Get it out there. What you know? Look at your analytics. Fix the problems. Fix the bugs. And it's an ongoing thing. Mm. Um, and I think console development has veered slightly, or been influenced by that slightly somehow. So, I do think people just need to be a bit stricter about what they're doing and try and like get you said, the game finished a month before they're there actually needs yeah, to be cut yeah. some features if sure. you need to sure have you ever had that where you've released one of your games and there's been this massive bug in there and it's and you're like because oh, obviously you do a lot of testing but you can never oh yeah I mean even everything. with minutes there was quite a big bug a little bit of an edge case in that if you went onto the friends leaderboard and you had something like 400 friends so if you were this popular, is the guy yeah. who <laughs> picked it up on tw- and tweeted me um yeah, it crashes the game. Right. That's very, very difficult to test. Sure, sure. You know, prior to getting it out. But, you know, that's fixed. I've patched the game now. Um, certainly, I wasn't sort of rushing and going, oh, my God, I need to do a day one patch. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult... I think using that life belt of day one patch is... You know, it's a, it's an easy option. Sure. If Have... you've got to do it, you've got to do it. But I think try and plan ahead a bit better. Easy for me to say. <laughs> have, have things have things gotten better as well? There's that famous case a few years ago when uh, Phil Fish, developer of Fez, said he wouldn't patch his game. I think it was on Xbox 360 because there was a charge for doing it every time. Is it is it a little bit easier to sort of deploy patches these days and, and cheaper um, as well? I think, it de- again, it depends on the platform holder whether there's charges involved or not. Um, obviously, I can't really go into sure, specifics. Sure. In relation to Sony, because you're—I guess you have to sign certain agreements, but it's—that's all covered by. All right, okay, okay. Yeah, documents that have been signed. It was—it was a famous case. I think. I think eventually he uh, he did patch it and update it, but it's obviously a, um, an easier thing on open platforms like the PC. I think. Yeah, and certainly if you're a big company, big developer, big publisher, it shouldn't be an issue. Sure, sure. Uh, final final news story: Fast and Furious uh, to start in free standalone Forza spin-off. As I said, I was a big fan of Forza Horizon Two, so um, this is a free piece of content, obviously being paid for because it's kind of a, a commercial enterprise. So I think covered by Universal, who are the makers of the new Fast and Furious, um, and it will feature cars and missions inspired by the films and depict events that take place before the upcoming film, which is the 
seventh you finally I think it's the seventh yeah, film in the franchise it's it's definitely seven, been a six yeah. um, uh, it will be built using the racing engine featured in last year's open world uh, Forza title it will be coming to Xbox One and Xbox 360 uh, for free on March 27th I think for for a period of like a fortnight and then it goes uh, you have to pay to, pay to download it and uh, it will be a standalone release and not require Forza Horizon 2 to play I think it's a really interesting kind of sorry go and maybe in. maybe that'll be the driving game that i'm looking for right this will be i, I do love those movies and even like when we started big big studios one of our concepts was very much inspired by the first movie right okay you know cars racing modding. Sure. um that didn't happen in the end um would have been cool if it did because that sure. was quite a long time ago i think even before uh need for speed did it right right you know, kind of, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. So we'll what? see what they do with it. And I think you're. Perf- yeah. I heard. I think I, I heard or read somewhere that you're going to be sort of performing missions for whoever Ludacris's character is. So it's kind of they, they've integrated the characters into the game as well. It'd be interesting to see. You, my question for you though really is: Do you think that this is a good and fu- is this the future is a viable model for game developers? Because obviously, it seems to me like a win-win. You know, Universal pay for the content. Fans of Forza and, and Fast and Furious get to experience it for free. Obviously, it's kind of a commercial enterprise. But do you think if someone came to you and said, "We want to make a, a version of Minutes that's you know based, ties based in with a movie based on like, the Minutes movie," right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you? Is it something? You'd I think of... you've got if you if you can, you've got to explore these options. I mean, larger companies can obviously do this. Um, I think you know, game development and publishing is very much about trying, iterating, having a big portfolio and trying lots of different things and seeing seeing what is successful and sure yeah why not I, i'm interested i want to know more about that when it's when it's ready i'm trying to think of other examples and the movie as well yeah because there's still movie tie-ins for, for the sort of you know the big um the big releases like the avengers and that sort of thing but it's uh but you have to buy those games i think this is interesting if you get it for free yeah, yeah, we will see. Okay, well, I will um, post the um, the new stories, uh, links to all the stories on MCV. If you want to check them out, they're in the running order. That's on my website. It's guycocker.com. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit about minutes. We sort of touched on it um, a little bit at the beginning of the show, but it's a, it's a difficult game to kind of describe. Obviously, there are videos yeah. on YouTube uh, <laughs> yes. of playthroughs. I assume from you, Richard, because they look like they're there's a few from me. I've had a, f- a you know a few. YouTubers do smaller YouTubers do a few Um, yes I think you know I've put myself in a position where I've got a game that's quite hard to describe (laughs) you know do the elevator pitch a podcast not the the ideal medium but check out the check out the videos on on YouTube if you want to get a feel for it but but tell us about sort of the decision to sort of make a game like this is it it an idea that was kind of uh, rattling around in your your brain for a while or is it It, yeah it actually came to me in about five minutes right um, Hence the name but, minutes. Or? Well, the, the the name comes from the level, so each level is a minute long. Sure. Um, I was kind of mulling over AAA games, really, and the fact that I was getting bored of things like running across the running across a forest um, for what fifteen minutes, getting to the end, and then pressing X and watching a cutscene. Right. And I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with these games and experiences. But I thought of my childhood I guess and the kind of games that I was playing you know your Pac-Mans and Space Invaders and Defenders and yeah, probably a lot of shoot 'em ups to be honest sure. and I just thought I'd want to make something that's very very pure 
so I decided to go to the extreme and yeah it just kind of came to me in five minutes I was thinking about what would a minimalist title look like on console I mean some people do look at it and think oh that's a mobile game but actually if you dig into the design a bit you kind of realize that you know there's sticks and lots of buttons involved so it's a bit more complex than that so it was really just the case of okay well if you you know and I'm a one man developer Mm. I can't do a big epic game not yet anyway Um, so it was really just the case of what can I squeeze into a console game that is just the purest of experiences just no story no cutscenes no context no characters just geometric shapes and pure risk reward gameplay with a bit of progression and some I guess video game tropes if you mm-hmm. like so mm-hmm. the power ups are you know restore your health um, shield and things like that mm-hmm. so there's nothing kind of new in there but it's twists everything and mixes it up in such a way that it presents it in a new new way um, and really yeah like I said just tests your core video gaming skills more than anything else and it's it's, desi- it's designer it's or it's or it's kind of sold as a bullet hell game but it doesn't look like a traditional shooter or shmup which I, I know some people don't like that term but you know it doesn't look like a yeah like I, it's a I call it a twisted version of bullet hell and it's a bullet hell where you don't get to shoot back I guess the other genre you would associate it with is an avoid em up <laughs> um <laughs> You know, thinking in terms of genre, I guess things like Super Hexagon might mm-hmm. spring to mind in terms of the abstract nature of it. But yeah, I mean, I didn't design it as a bullet hell game, but people started to say to me, that reminds me of Ikaruga, right. or that looks like a bullet hell game. Sure. Um, and I thought, yeah, actually, yeah, okay, that's cool. I'm going to use that. And that's my little line on PlayStation Store is... <laughs> welcome to a a twisted form of bullet hell so yeah I like that I do like that and I kind of like that the game has become that but it didn't really start as that like I say it just started as this very pure abstract experience the the game itself and this is this is a sort of lazy journalistic kind of trope so it's always comparing it to to other things but um, you know Lumines it's sort of that that mixture of audio and visuals kind of marrying together and that kind of abstract style which you talked about earlier but is that how did you go about choosing the themes for the for the visuals and the audio so the game some people do look at it and think it's a rhythm based game or a music based game it's not Um, But the music is quite integral to the experience. So each level is a minute and you have a timer on the screen and you see the the seconds tick down. On every second changing, that's when a beat of the bar occurs in Mm -hmm. the music. So each track is 60 beats a minute or 120 beats a minute. So it kind of locks you into that zone when you're playing. Um, And I think just... I hope enhances the experience. And what's your when you're playing? Obviously, we talked earlier about it being a PlayStation Four and a Vita title. What's your kind of when you're playing it? Are you playing it on the move, or are you playing it back at back at home on the PlayStation Four? Or do you think it's kind of more um, than Vita? A bit of both. I mean, some it's interesting it, looking at reviews. Some people have said, "Oh, this works really well as a Vita title," mm. but I'm not so sure about PS4. Other people have gone, "Oh, I really like it on the big screen as the PS4 title." The key for me is it's for both, and I also implemented the 
cross-save as a synchronization feature as opposed to an overwrite feature. So you literally don't lose any progress. It doesn't matter which one you're playing on at any time. So both for me. Right, okay. You know. And what's, what have been your, your learnings moving from Comas and Big Big into into one-man kind of development? Is it, uh, has it been a learning, learning curve? Has it been... Has it been something you've enjoyed or is it something you'd sort of never do again? Um, I mean, those, you know, obviously going from bigger studios down to working as a one-man indie, that's very different. I mean, the main differences are it's a bit lonely right now and there's no one really to bounce ideas off so much. Um, But I have complete creative freedom to make the crazy thing that is in my head. And... Okay, I've got to worry about the commercial side. I mean, I think it's doing okay. It's probably going to make me enough money to do a bigger game. So I think in terms of learning it, it's just I've accumulated a lot of experience over, what, 18 years Mm. in the industry. And so as an example, I've built my own engine for the game. And literally doing that takes, you know, not no time, but I can knock out a game engine quite quickly Mm. as opposed to going, oh, well, I'll just use Unity, which in the end would be quicker. But I now have that set of tools available. It's an asset for the company. Right, right. And I can build the next game more quickly and I can customise it however I like, really. And I don't need to worry about, not that it's ever going to happen, potentially Unity getting bought or whatever. And I think back to Renderware when I say that. Sure, sure. That's a... For anyone who knows that was, what happened there, Criterion, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so that I mean, that is the perceived wisdom, isn't it? To to use whatever it is, Unity or GameMaker or anything really to kind yeah. Of, and I think that's absolutely fine. There's no, absolutely nothing wrong with that. It certainly helps you get on and make the game. Um, it was just for me. I just took the decision to make my own engine because I'd got the experience and I thought this isn't going to take me too long to do, mm. and it gives me that basis. And that you know, I'm a bit of a control freak, so. <laughs> It made sense. So what? So you hinted at it earlier, but do you, do you have any idea what's what's next for uh, for, for for you as a company and, and where you'd be going next? So you, do, do you enjoy work on PlayStation? Is that do you think you're going to stick? with Yeah. That? Well, actually, I mean, I've actually been helping out Roll Seven yeah, on on Oli Oli Two. Oli Oli Two. Yeah. Which is out, I think, next week, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to catch yeah. you out. I think I saw the release because I, I remember seeing oh, it's, it's out during GDC. I'm so I'm sure they've play. announced something, but I don't know if I can say anything. So I better not. No, like I said, I'm not trying to catch you out. I, I think it was. I'll check on my email. But I think it's. Uh, I think it's so that was really fun. They're a really good team to work with. Um, I'm actually doing some stuff with another company in Leamington called Pixel Toys. Who've got a game out on. This is mobile. There's games Gunfinger on mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their next title. Doing a bit of work on that. And I think I'm going to start my next game in the summer. I've got a couple of ideas. I always like to say it will probably have spaceships in it. Right, okay. So, so yeah, a bigger experience and something that's not... You know, I want to move away from the abstract. That was Minutes was just the starting point. Cool. Like so kind of don't expect a, a Minutes, minutes two, 2, or at least not straight away. Um, so it's kind of like, a, as an indie, you get to kind of have those... I guess those palette lens where you do so, you do a project and then you can do some work for hire and then move on to your next yeah. thing. And I, I think that's, you know, part of the, the business model is just to have a lot of things on the go. Mm. And ultimately I want to have, again, like having a portfolio, having a number of smallish games out there that are ticking over and earning a bit of money um, until I get to the point where I can build up the studio a bit sure. more. 
Uh, so Minutes is available on PlayStation 4 and Vita. Yeah. It's on the PlayStation Store. Yep. And you can check it out on YouTube. You can. Or you can check it out on the website. On the website, okay. Uh, all right, time to talk to Richard about what he's been playing. I don't even even know if he's had any time to play anything recently, Richard. A, a you, little bit. Have a you, little what bit. Are you, what, what's sort of on your gaming part? My moment? most recent sort of major gaming session was over Christmas. Yeah, I've been a bit busy lately. But yeah, I managed to finish Velocity 2X. Oh yeah, it was good, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah, I that. Beta. I think I enjoyed the first one a little more. Right. Um, just the on-foot sections I found a little bit clunky when you throw the little telepod thing. And I certainly couldn't do them at speed sure um, but yeah I love love those games um, Luftrausers is something that I'm just picking up and playing a lot are you playing on I assume you're a Vita on, this is oh, on yeah. the Vita yeah, yeah I've got The Last of Us to finish I've got Shadow of Mordor sitting on my desk yeah. ready for when I've got a few days and I keep saying this to people yeah when I've got a few days free you know, but it I think happens. it's bad. It's bad because I should be playing. I should make sure that I'm playing games because I'm making them and I need to keep. Up, sure. So. What's What's the attraction with Shadow Mordor? Obviously, it won a lot of. I, I think it's just the fact that it's it's Lord of the Rings yeah. and it's you know it's been regard, regarded quite highly. Yeah. So I just picked that up and thought, yeah, I've got to try this. It's definitely on on my to playlist. It got it won a lot of awards and I've just not, I kind of not had time for for it but it looks I'm not really I'm not massively into Lord of the Rings but it looks uh, just looks like a great action game yeah it's that's the thing I don't know a great deal about it I'm just looking right, forward, you're to, forward to when you to get a chance firing to. it up and, uh, and Love Trousers was uh, you know, obviously as uh, I think it's as hit Playstation Plus now I seem to remember downloading it on my I was playing it on PC originally but I think it's on my Vita because of Playstation Plus but yes so. that was a while ago and I initially I played it and I was like mm, I don't really like this right. but I'm always a person who will give a game a second go yeah. and certainly getting into the depth of it it, it I really got it yeah. the second time it's one of those around. games where you get into a certain zone when you're playing it once yeah, you get good totally. at it it's, uh, it's unlock very, very the little bits and yeah. okay I want that ship with the, the fat body and the the stuff that fires out the exhaust, so I can just shoot in all directions. It sounds it's like cool. you you both both kind of personally and professionally are into those sort of indie games. You talked about working with Ollie Ollie. I mean, Hotline Miami Two has just been announced for release in the next couple of weeks yeah, as well. That's, that um, that's... I'll be picking up that because I finished the first one. That that's was fantastic. A while ago last year, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since this uh, since the last one, and this one's been in development for a bit. I've been playing, as I mentioned, Dead or Alive last round uh, over the weekend. There's a, a great. Um, well, it's, it's a good. Uh, um, indie title called Numa Breath of Life, which is uh, coming to Xbox One this 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 weekend on on Friday, I think. So tomorrow at time recording, it's um it's from a, a very young development team. They worked with uh, the sort of the idea Xbox um, scheme, yeah. which is yeah. you know I think if you're an indie developer, at least from what I remember and what I read from this from these guys when they wrote about it on the, I think it was one of, I think it was some GamesIndustry.biz, they you know had to go and apply for the program and get those X they get. Was it two Xbox One dev kits? I think it's two. Um, to, to play around when they, they were working in bars and restaurants. These these guys are sort of, you know, during the day and or during the evening and then working through uh, through development in their free time. I'm assuming they weren't taking the development kits into the bar. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't say in the article, but it's a, it's a really good article if you get a chance to read it. But um, yeah, these guys have made a game that's, you're basically playing in, in, in the body of a, of a god. It's not an incredibly long game, but it's most similar to something like Portal where it's based around spatial awareness and, and, and solving those sorts of uh, puzzles. It's a very, I mean, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a very unique game. There's nothing really else that out there aside from Portal. I don't think it's got that kind of um, 
it's not it's got the same sort of satisfaction when you solve the puzzles but it doesn't it's not quite as compelling as Portal and it's not quite as funny the, the guys mm. were on a, a live stream with um, with with Xbox uh, a couple of nights ago and they were saying they wanted to get unfortunately they wanted to get um, the sort of late great uh, Rick Mail to do the voiceover and then he passed away sadly and uh, sure. so they got someone who, who kind of does that kind of rapid fire talking but it for me it became a bit too incessant and a bit too kind of yeah. grating which is obviously a you know line you got to walk when you when you're doing these um these sort of voiceovers i think uh, Stephen merchant did it really well in portal but uh yeah so that's i've been playing some of that and then dying light if you are you into your zombie games it feels like every game has got zombies in it i, I did design one once right okay which was <laughs> which was this that's never been there's never been never been released. made right okay um, now, now there's quite a lot of them so yeah perhaps there always was there's it feels like especially the last few years there's been a lot but Dying Light's from the guys that made the original Dead Island and they've been quite vocal in saying that they this was the sort of zombie game that they wanted to make um, I think I think it seems reading between the lines that uh, the publisher of Dying Light wanted to take take it in a bit more of a com- comedic uh, direction whereas this is a very sort of gritty serious um, zombie game where you're dropped into the into the uh, into this sort of city that's a little bit like it reminded me of Istanbul and it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it happens right at the beginning of the game. You're you're bitten, so you're infected straight away. And you sort of the the rest of the game is spent trying to find drugs and supplies and piece together weapons. Um, that was one of my frustrations with the game is that it actually you, I, even towards the end of the game, I never felt that powerful. So I, I was always sort of scrambling and running away from the zombies rather than fighting them. Uh, but the, the the it's got that sort of parkour element like like yeah. Mirror's Edge has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually really once you get once you kind of. After about an hour, and you start getting good again, it's it's really fun to sort of jump around and and sort of explore this world. I I have seen so, a let's play of it, yeah, and that, but I haven't played the game myself. What's, what's been really interesting as well is it 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 got sort of I, I can't remember it's Metacritic, you know, and, and that's a whole other discussion. But it's uh, you know it's sort of high seventies. It wasn't like a wasn't deemed to be by critics a, a classic by any means, but it seems to have done really well with the audience who were. Who have bought it uh, in their droves online? It's not actually out in retail yet. There was just some weird complication in terms of releasing it in retail, but it's been on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live for about a month. It's coming out as we talked about earlier this this Friday, but it seems to have done really, really well. Which is there's uh, obviously still an appetite for for those zombie games. So um, yeah, that's that's out now, and uh, as are uh, all those games actually, they've all been released. Is there anything that's on your radar for this year, Richard? Uh, I mean, you mentioned Last of Us, Uncharted Three, Uncharted Four, perhaps. I imagine that I will be looking at that, having yeah. played the, the previous ones. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's uh, yeah. let's finish this, the show and talk about the games that are coming out this week. Nothing um, really, really big, but uh, there's been a few games that have come out last week, which we'll talk about. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations Two, Episode One, Penal Colony. This has been released on the Xbox One and PlayStation Four. Um, we've got The Order, eighteen eighty six, which is <clears throat> Received mixed reviews. Although I saw, I watched the game trailer review this morning, and it uh, it looked it, they were very positive about it. I think it's. I think a lot of people are up in arms about the length about it, the length of it because it's uh, around six hours, and the fact there's so many cutscenes. Uh, but it looks it looks like a very very pretty kind of te- technically and, and artistically speaking, a very pretty game. Yeah, very much the kind of game that I, I had in mind when I designed minutes. but yeah. certainly a game that I probably want to pick up and play right, for right. sure yeah I'll, I definitely want to try and find some time for that one Homeworld Remaster Collection that was a, a game I really enjoyed back in whenever it was the 90s on PC they've basically given it a nice sort of lick of paint it looks really nice although it looked really good originally 
Um, yeah, I, d- I dabbled with that, so that might be one for me as well. Uh, and then Kirby and the Rainbow Curse on Wii U, which I have to put my hands up and say I know nothing about. Uh, that's it for this episode. All that remains to say is thanks very much to Richard for uh, for joining me. Uh, Richard, we spoke about minutes. Where can we find out more about it on PlayStation 4 and, and Vita? So you're on your website? Yeah, it's on the store. So the website is redphantomgames.com. Cool. And yeah, that'll pretty much give you everything that you need. And you're on you're on Twitter. As I'm on Twitter at Red Phantom Games. At Red Phantom Games. <laughs> it's all very simple. Uh, Richard, thanks very much. Real pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Um, if you have any feedback, please send it to podcast at guycocker.com. Uh, keep an eye on twitter.com slash guycocker for more updates on upcoming episodes. And remember, you can subscribe in iTunes to have episodes delivered as soon as they're available. Uh, thanks very much for listening. I'll see you again next time. 